this week's show, we present part two of the Rio Jesus a Historical Reconstruction. In last show, we did an introduction related to the Jewishness of Jesus. In this show, which is the last of season five, we will discuss the overall theme of this new series, which will air during season six, starting in the fall. My name is David Daniel Gonzalez. I'm your host. 2,000 years ago, a man walked up the River Jordan in the now disputed territories between the modern state of Israel and the area controlled by the Palestinian Authority. Back then, his cousin, already revered by, his, by the public, anointed him as a messiah, a king. His words and actions changed the history of the Western world. But do we really know who this man was? Is there any evidence for his existence? What about the movement he started? Is there any proof that he had the impact on his fellow Israelites that is recorded in the New Testament? This program is meant to answer these questions and offer possibilities regarding the subject. My quest for the real Jesus started five years ago, and during my research on this enigmatic figure, I have interviewed countless scholars such as John Dominic Croissant, Susanna Heschel, Amy Jill Levine, Israel Canole, and Robert Connor. We now look at their thoughts on the subject and examine my findings on the matter. This project was developed by me not as a stranger to Christianity and neither as a defender nor antagonist. I do this as someone greatly impacted by this faith tradition in both positive and negative ways. I do this as a descendant of conversos, Spanish-Portuguese Jews who at the edge of the sword were coerced to change religions. Some chose to defy their captors while others integrated in limited ways, or were fully assimilated to the dominant faith. I myself could choose to follow their footsteps, either by defying, mocking, ignoring, or accepting wholeheartedly this prominent tradition. However, there are other alternatives such as to study, learn, and explore the roots of this powerful force in Western culture. To do this honestly, one must trace the origin of the enigmatic figure that this world religion is based on, and find out more about how certain theological constructs develop. We must look at the person of Jesus before we assess the experiences of his followers. In this series, I will discuss him as a historical figure and follow a rational approach. I've written a book called Heirs of the Kingdom, which discusses the mystical experiences of his followers, but most of all I owe a debt of gratitude to the following scholars who exposed me to the historical, historical approach to the Bible, such as David Flusser, Gesaber Mesh, and John D. Levinson. Their insights and observations have developed in me a greater appreciation of scholarship and a respect of the fields of literary, linguistic, and analytic theories. I hope this survey of some trends in the study of the life of Jesus will open new horizons to seekers and believers of many faiths as well. Approach. Quote, by now, almost everyone recognizes that the historical Jesus was a Jew who followed ancient ways. There is also growing recognition that the Gospels themselves, and even the letters of Paul, are part and parcel of the religion of the people of Israel in the first century AD. What is less recognized is to what extent the idea surrounding what we call Christology, the story of Jesus as the divine human Messiah, were also part, if not parcel, of Jewish diversity at this time. End quote. 
This is Daniel Boyarin's book, The Jewish Gospels, The Story of the Jewish Christ. We continue. Before we discuss Boyarin's statement, we must discuss the methodology for this quest. My approach is historical and anthropological and cultural one. As I have interviewed New Testament scholars, professors of Jewish studies, and independent researchers who also address the archaeological and textual evidence regarding the real Jesus. I seek answers to these and more questions as I tackle one of the most controversial, inspiring, and polarizing individuals in Western culture. We must look at the past through the lens of archaeology, textual criticism, and historical reconstruction to decipher if there is any objective truth to be found in the New Testament. And if the Hebrew scriptures are seen by modern audiences as demanding and as unreasonable, then the New Testament is both incomprehensible and out of this world. I know that I might have lost some people by now, but what I mean is that without a method to interpret or system to understand the context of these narratives, someone can drown in its assumptions. One of the reasons I'm doing this series is based on my desire to tackle some of the most outrageous claims of scholars, laymen, and women, and popular writers, and educate the public about some of the challenges regarding this historical figure. I started the discussion by debunking some of the latest trends that portray Jesus as the archetypical leader of everyone's whims and far-fetched ideas. He's often associated with occult practices including necromancy and witchcraft. There's also the trend among alternative histories to see Jesus as the archetypical shaman or within the anti-Semitic circles such as white supremacists and clansmen to portray him as an Aryan Gentile. They see Jesus not as a member of the Jewish community of his time, but a demigod related to Odin. There's also the latest claim from some members of the atheist movement to see him as a mythical Jesus that never existed. During the show, we will also discuss the historical climate around his, this figure, and later we will look at possible scenarios based on what is documented about him. Finally, we will discuss what we can deduce from first century Judaism and how this individual lived out his heritage. It is believed that he challenged the conventional norms. However, it appears to me that he embodied a mystical tradition that enabled him to make proclamations that still have an impact on the world to this day. Personal Jesuses Many books have been written about Jesus from both an academic and popular perspective. Serious scholars have tried to identify his background based on the New Testament narrative. He is either a Jewish apocalyptist, as Bart Ehrman would say, or a charismatic leader, as popularized by Geza Bermesh, a cynic philosopher, as it is written in John Dominic Croissant's book, or a revolutionary zealot, as Reza Aslan claims, or a Jewish prophet, as archaeologist James Tabor would write, to name a few. However, none of these theories address the mystical messianic expectations of Jews in the first century. What about the mystical Jewish ideas that he taught which have connection with the Essenes and Enoic groups? We will delve into the, these concepts later and address some of the ways these scholars discern the character of Jesus. We now turn to the wacky world of pop pseudo-scholarship. We start with the shaman Jesus and move on to the other outrageous claims about this figure. Shaman As a former resident of an intentional community, I have heard it all. 
my previous co-host of the radio show, podcast, and I started the program debating John Allegro's The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. The premise of this book is that Christianity's original cult, based on hallucinogenic mushrooms, was driven underground as the Roman, Jewish, and ecclesiastical authorities deemed it heretical. That is in Allegro's book, page 20. Allegro did not only over-sexualize the Bible, but used anachronistic terms for the Essenes, such as them being Gnostics or Christians, without considering their apocalyptic Jewish origin. To Allegro, potions, amulets, and hallucinogenic drugs were all important aspects of first century Judaism. According to this perspective, Jesus and his disciples taught everyone how to become a mystic or a prophet and use natural drugs to bring about religious experiences. I don't have to delve into scholarship too much to disprove these assertions. Any student of Judaism or early Christianity can disarm these claims by pointing to the lack of evidence to any of these contentions. Even independent researcher Robert Connor, who specializes in Roman history and Christian texts, shared during our interview that it's laughable to claim connect Jesus to the practices that became popular in the 60s. Regarding the shamanistic and Judaism, many books have been written about the parallels between Moses' wilderness experiences and Native American spirituality. Wizard. Going back to Robert Connor, he is the author of Jesus the Sorcerer and the website Magic and Christianity. His articles, The Roman Meets Jesus and Faking Jesus, are featured on thisinfo.com and on Scribe, respectively. He has been on the show many times and has discussed the relationship between magic and the supernatural in the early church. His writings focus on Jesus' relation to Greek culture and how the Apostle Paul borrowed ideas from some of the mystery cults in the Mediterranean. We also have discussed sorcery and demonology in, in the Greco-Roman culture of that time. At first impression, it appears that in some of his works, he claims that the Gnostics were the majority of Jesus' followers. This is one of the controversial points of his argument, since it's part of the justification for his view of Jesus and his followers using magic to gain members. Gnosticism is known as a secretive in nature, not evangelistic as many groups in that time period and beyond. Many academics would disagree with his view that later Christians manipulated the scriptures. Instead, some scholars see the Hebrew Bible as inspiration for many different views. Regarding magic, he believes that magic is private spirituality and religion is public practice. These broad terms open the door to seeing everything in the Bible is magical. Once the supernatural goes out the window, all we have is suggestion and sleight of hand as a way to justify miracles. This secular perspective limits the possibilities. As we will discuss later on our series, mysticism asks for believers to be open to the unexplained and creates avenues other than magic to make sense of miracles, apparitions, and revelations. Arian King During our broadcast, we have had Susanna Heschel on the show who discussed the history of anti-Semitism as well as her book, The Arian Jesus, Christian Theologians in the Bible in Nazi Germany. She's the daughter of civil rights activist and modern Jewish philosopher Abraham Joshua Heschel, who fled Nazi Germany during the Holocaust. Although the current social and political trends in the U.S. have normalized bigotry, racial hatred, and anti-Semitism, it still baffles the mind that some will contend that Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth was not a Jew, but an Aryan Gentile. Much has been written about wild theories that he was an Ashkenazi Galilean, or even more outrageous, that he is the true Jew and all other Israelites to this day are in Edomian imposters. However, Dr. Heschel discusses how racism, ethnic hatred, and religious persecution 
became so common in Nazi Germany that the Christian churches would go along with the rational theories of the Nazis to be accepted and supported by the government. The lessons we can learn from this is that individuals in America will dismiss Jesus' Jewish background and create alternatives that fit their worldview and biases as well. No matter how much historical evidence is presented to them, it is of no value or consequence. Mythic Messiah In the last few years, theories such as Richard Carrier and Robert Price have written books such as On the History of Jesus, Why We Might Have Reasons for Doubt, and the Christ Myth Theory and its problems that discuss the possibility of Jesus only being a mythical character. They bring up important points, however, it seems that they are debating later Christian beliefs, not first century realities. One author, David Fitzgerald, claims that Christianity is the Jewish version of a mystery religion with rituals and practices made to bring cohesion. Again and again, individuals unfamiliar with Judaism or the vastness of early Christian Christianity make category mistakes by dismissing some traditions and accepting others, and their desire to debunk Christianity, they follow the same polemical path of Greco-Roman writers, but with less sophistication. Revolutionary Reza Aslan popularized the theory that Jesus was sentenced to death for sedition. This idea has been around for years and has been taken on by the liberation theologians to justify violent uprising against oppressive powers. However, I always ask the following questions when the issue is brought up. Where was his army? What was his plan of attack? What about the pacifist sermons attributed to him? None of these issues are addressed by this as is based on a conspiracy theory that the Roman Christians changed the Gospels to be more pro-Roman and less violent. So the man who inspired Gandhi and Martin Luther King to use peaceful resistance to bring about political change was actually a warrior who wanted to defeat Rome. Doomed to fail strategy shows poor planning and takes away the uniqueness of what we know to be his mission. Near Eastern Parallels During our interview with Sid George, the native Estonian independent researcher, we discussed the cult of Mithras. His premise involved Christianity originating from a Greek mystery religion and that their standard beliefs came from the cult of Mithras, except the crucifixion. He pointed to the following books, The Mysteries of Mithra by Franz Cumont and the more recent volume titled The Origins of Mithraic Mysteries by David Ulansey. To him, the rituals of the Catholic Church are very similar to the Mithraic cult, including some connections to some worship. He also discussed how the apocalyptic view did not start with the Jewish religion but with Zoroastrianism. Books such as Pagan Christ by John M. Robertson make the same claims. To Mr. George, the beliefs and practice of Mithraic mysteries must be understood as part of the development of Christian beliefs and practices. My concern with these theories is that although there are similarities or parallels between the birth, death, and resurrection imagery of different mythical heroes and deities, this does not mean that they are related. Robert Connor, frequent guest on our show, writes about the possibility of Jesus being a necromancer. He conveys that there is Gnostic material that has been deemed evil by Christians. What Christians consider prophetic and apocalyptic, he believes is part of a vast magical culture in the Roman Empire. He sees many similarities between Apollonius of Tiana and an itinerant miracle worker and the figure of Jesus. He sees the same formula as the Egyptian and Jewish magic incantations are the same. He wrote Magic and Christianity and is the author of Jesus the Sorcerer. 
His book is compelling but raises other questions such as did Jesus practice witchcraft? Was he in league with the devil? These are legitimate questions but for those not familiar with first century Judaism and Greco-Roman culture it seems out of the ordinary. Mysticism is different from magic just as religion is different from spiritism. Non-scholars attempt to mix all these terms and attempt to confuse the issue and push an agenda. What is sad is that even scholars are now pushing an agenda instead of describing the information available to help people make informed decisions based on rational truth. Complexity of religious texts. The challenge of trying to decipher religious texts such as the New Testament is that they are composed of mythical, mystical, and rational or historical realities all intertwined. Mythical does not mean fantastical or false ideas, but idealized concepts especially with reference to the past in relation to people or things. Mystical information describes concepts that require spiritual apprehension or knowledge that is inaccessible to the intellect. Although this type of knowledge sounds outside of normal human experience, it's almost a form of extrasensorial comprehension. This type of encounter happens when humans perceive the unexplained and reflect on it. At the same time, there are rational or historically accurate events which are logical and verifiable. So how do we discern truthful statements from exaggerations, wishful thinking, and embellishments? The tools that are disposal are scholarly methods which point to the actuality, authenticity, and factuality of these events. As we observe the data available, we must discern the reality of the claims described in these texts. During our series, we will feature a series of interviews with different scholars on topics related to our subject. One scholar who talks about Jews and Christians in the Roman army is Dr. Jonathan Roth. A few years back, there was an exhibit called Imperial Rome in which he explored the magnificence of Rome, of Rome during its reign as the dominant political, economic, and military power of the Western civilized world. Dr. Jonathan Ron received a second lieutenant designation from the Empire State Military Academy and earned a PhD in ancient history from Columbia University's history program. He has taught at Tulane University in New Orleans and served as chair of the history department of San Jose University in California. Since 1999, he has been the director of the Department of Burdick Military History Project. During my interview of him, he discussed the role of the Roman army in military history, its impact on the world history, and how race and ethnicity were perceived in antiquity, especially as Jews and Christians served in the Roman army. Another person of interest that I interviewed was Rabbi Samantha Safran. Before we discuss the concept of the Messiah and biblical times, we must address the current vision of Mashiach in Judaism through the centuries. Rabbi Safran holds a Master of Arts in Hebrew Letters as well as a rabbinic title from the Reconstructionist Rabbinical College in Philadelphia. She discusses the topic of the Messiah in Jewish thought and explores the expectations of the Israelites after the destruction of the Second Jerusalem Temple. She explains how the concept of the Messiah developed over time. We also explore biblical books such as Daniel and the Davidic dynasty and its impact on messianic expectations. Throughout Jewish history, there have been different figures who have claimed this title, including Bar Kokhba and Sabbatai's B. We also reviewed the ideas behind the book, There is no Messiah and You are It, the stunning transformation of Judaism's most provocative idea by Rabbi Robert 
and live in. We conclude the interview by looking at contemporary perspectives of this concept, including how Zionism and secularism have influenced modern Judaism. We do this to address misconceptions about the Jewish Messiah that might creep up during this conversation. During last week, we discussed the following topic, and I would like to um, go further uh, on it so there is no misunderstanding. Um, So the title of this segment is called Heathens, Gentiles, and the Nations. One of the most difficult issues to bring up is the view held by Jesus and his disciples of non-Jews. How do we address the realities of their time period without coming across as ethnocentric or even racist? The answer to this question comes as a surprise to those with modern sensitivities. The real issue, like always, is context. Gentiles are loved by God in both Old and New Testament, Hebrew and Jewish Christian scriptures. The prophets Isaiah envisions the following, quote, The sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him, and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast to my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. End quote. That was Isaiah 56, verse 6. According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, Gentile is a person who is not Jewish. The word stands from the Hebrew term goy, which means a nation. It was applied both to the Hebrews and to any other nation. The plural goyim, especially with the definite article, hagoyim, the nations, meant nations of the world, they were not Hebrew. However, we see passages that depict Gentiles as heathen in the New Testament. Quote, So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. End quote. That's from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Another quote from Jesus. Quote, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. End quote. That's from Matthew 20, verse 25. Quote, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. End quote. Matthew 24, 9. The most controversial passage is recorded in Mark 7, 26 in Matthew 15:22, when a woman from the region of Tyre and Sidon described as either a Canaanite or a Syrophoenician is called by Jesus a derogatory name. Quote, Jesus left the place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman with a was a Greek, born in Syria, Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. End quote. It's Mark 7.24. The issue here most likely had to do with demonology and idolatry. A dog in biblical language was depicted as a vile animal. Revelation 22.15 says the following, For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whoever loveth and maketh a lie. End quote. Well, the book of Proverbs 26.11 says, quote, 
as the dog returned to his vomit, so a fool returned to his folly. End quote. A passage quoted by Peter in the letter attributed to him known as Second Peter, chapter 2, verse 22. So again, context is the key to decipher the teachings of Jesus on these difficult subjects. God's nature in Judaism, Jewish Christianity, and Orthodox Christendom. In my hope to educate others about Jewish Christian theological concepts, I've become aware of the differences between Jewish, Jewish Christian, and the historical church's view on God. One group was monotheistic, the other one binitarian, and the other one trinitarian. It's easy to anachronistically bring back more modern theories to the original record. But if you read the Hebrew scriptures, monotheism is very apparent. If you read the New Testament, binitarianism is very apparent, where Jesus is a viceroy to God the Father, and Trinitarian ideas did not come until later from the Church Fathers. So that's something to think about when um, people debate the nature of God, that there's a historical progression related to that. So that's it for our preview of the real Jesus. I hope people stick around for uh, after the summer for us to keep developing our series. We will be back then. For the rest of the summer, we will be playing the best of the mystical and skeptics starting from season one all the way to season five. Thank you.